The Waddle and Sylvie podcast is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Sign up using promo code WMVP at sportsbook.draftkings.com. All right, the phone number to reach us is we have humped at Hallis. We're broadcasting from Hallis Hall today. 312-332-3776 as the Bears look to pick up the pieces and get a win. Because uh, if they don't get this one in Tampa, obviously in week three, they've got Kansas City. And Kansas City's getting Chris Jones back. I don't think he'll play a full game in this next one against Jacksonville, will he? No, he'll he'll be on a snap count. But beside the, what your what your your status is in the standings, like I need them to get the W, not just to get to one on one, but to get the bad taste out of our mouths and their mouths and right. everyone. Positive momentum yes. going forward. You can't lose this game in Tampa, lose to Jordan Love, and then Baker Mayfield, and then go down to Kansas City. And look, Kansas City could be zero and two going into that game. Yeah. They may lose at Jacksonville on Monday Night Football, and then they may be out for blood in Week Three against a Bears team that goes in limping. And then you know, then who knows what happens to a young team um, against that Chiefs team? They need to do a bunch of stuff better across the board: offense, defense, special teams, and coaches as well. They all need. A better afternoon in Tampa on Sunday. Quick correction, something that—that's an afternoon Sunday kick. Oh, it's not a Monday night game. No, could, why did I we, think that was a Monday? I—I've I, said that a couple of times this week too. Got, they've got the Monday night doubleheader this week. That's right. Saints Panthers is the early game at six fifteen on ESPN two, and then you've got Browns Steelers. Okay, so not a Monday night game. So that's an afternoon game, but a big one. A, a good showdown between Jacksonville and Kansas City. Yes, not quite as good as Saints and Panthers, but I get your point. Yeah, Saints and Panthers. I don't know can't why wait I thought that. it was Monday night. I thought I saw that uh, earlier in the week. I want to play you this uh, from Eberflus, and then we'll play you some more. JT O'Sullivan, who is a, a great uh, guy to break down the quarterback film. He's really good. He, bro- he had an hour breakdown on the um, the coaches' film, um, but this was interesting and. Um, Matt Eberflus was asked why DJ Moore came out of the game when the Bears had the ball near the goal line. I think this had to do with like the 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 first and goal and then second and and goal from the four and then everything happened poorly and it was right around the situation where DJ Moore had his two targets. His two targets came twice in a row. He wasn't targeted before then and he wasn't targeted after then. Um, but then, so they're down at the goal line. He's their best player, and and he comes out of the game and he comes towards the sideline. And Matt Eberflus was asked about that earlier today at his press conference. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if it was rotation or you know. I don't know what it was. You know, he just had a, a big play, um, and I think he needed maybe needed the breather. You have to ask him because I know there's a lot of people on him at that time. You know, he broke through a bunch of tackles and you know had two big plays in a row. So. Um, Maybe needed to blow. Maybe it was rotation. I'm, I'm not sure on that. Maybe his shoe was needed. I mean, I'm for anything. I don't think it was. Uh, I don't think it was rotational. I mean, you're not taking. I'm not taking DJ Moore out at, at any point for a rotation. But when we're when we're qu- and listen to ju- just play me the beginning of that, Tyler. Uh, I don't know. Is I don't that know, know was- like when we're questioning everything? That and it's. Three days after the game, it's a back-to-work Wednesday. He's watched the film. 
He spent the time with the offensive coordinator. You're asking why your best player wasn't available when you've got goal to go at the goal line and, and the question comes and you answer. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Like, do you really want the coach saying, I don't know? Well, I want, I want my coach to know the answer to all the questions. That, that's the point. So, and I, I think Joniak and there, I was up in the booth at that time. They, they even thought at that time that he looked like he maybe even tweaked something. We weren't sure, like, and, and you said that too before we had even heard the answer, that he, yes, that he could have been winded and he had, like, that he was being pushed, I think, by he had like a nine guys bears, on him, yeah. Being pushed forward, trying to be pulled back by a bunch of, of, of Bears players. So, like, yeah, he. But shouldn't the coach know why DJ Moore wasn't in the game? Yeah, I, I mean, there should be an explanation for it, for sure. Um, my brain is, is, is so dialed in on things that are even more important than that. But, yeah, I mean, do you think know. Do you think that's a question he even asked his offensive coordinator? I don't know. Guys come out because, these days no, no, more frequently point, than, than they used to. Like, it almost sounded like the question caught him off guard, like they haven't had a conversation. He may not. What, did, did he miss one play? How many plays did he miss? I'm not sure. But, like, it the, was just the one. one. Because he was just back won? in on that second and goal, yeah. Yeah, I mean, one, I don't know. One of the top questions going in, like, and this is one of our topics that I want to get into is, after watching O'Sullivan or Waddle watch the tape the, uh, himself, is, like, what part of the game, when we rank the, the missteps, bothered you the most? And, like, up there, to me, is that DJ Moore and whoever's fault it was, whether it's, Justin not throwing him the ball when he's open or the offensive coordinator not getting him the ball and forcing the issue to him more. You get the you you traded the number 1 pick and you had to hear DJ Moore and he was making a play every day in training camp one of the few guys who was available and every preseason game he showed you that in the first game he scored a touchdown in the last game against Buffalo. There he was making a play. He he was clearly you, your best player, and you target him twice. And then the coach says, and the, and then the number one one of the number one storylines is why wasn't he targeted more? And then your coach stands up in front of the podium on Wednesday, and you want to know why he wasn't in there at the goal line, and your coach says, "I don't know." It's kind of weird. Yeah, I'm more interested in why he was only given two targets. But, yeah, I don't know. Maybe he I, he doesn't know either. I don't know what happened. Maybe his, again, like I said, he, he maybe his shoe needed to be tied back. I haven't, He missed one play. I don't, I'm not Getz, sure. Getsy speaks tomorrow, right? Ask right. Him, yeah. I, I hope he has the answer. Yeah, I'm more interested why he wasn't, didn't get more targets. Well, both, though. No, but, I, like, what it, it's, like, fine. Maybe Iberflus can't answer because he legit didn't ask the question. Well, I, I mean, look, I'm – I. I I get the, the, the curiosity about it, and the, I guess the issue is your coach didn't know why he wasn't on the field. I'm not bent out of shape because he wasn't on there because there may be a good excuse. I don't know why the coach doesn't know why he didn't right, he miss that right, play. Right, 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 right. Uh, and, and like I said, I didn't even know he missed the play. My, I, I came to the conclusion or made the assumption that it had to do with the fact that 
like he caught the ball and they couldn't bring him down and like they had like yeah, five he, or six was, guys. He needed a blow, maybe, right? Yeah, maybe. Like, like I, I wish know. you would have just answered that question yeah, that way and said, "Look, he needed a blow. He yeah. he had to be." But it's just it, it it was an awkward way of answering. And shouldn't your head coach have his fingerprints on everything? And by this isn't Sunday where he needs to watch the film. This is Wednesday where they're examining and they're like, "We're watching the all twenty-two. We're trying to figure out each and every." play people are tweeting about that sort of stuff and i just i don't know if that's a great look well didn't he say maybe he needed a blow yeah he did say that but again maybe shouldn't be what your coach is answering three or four days later um this is another thing so again getting into the justin stuff this came from sean hammond um today from from uh shaw local i thought he had a really good article today and and this is there was a stat going around where, again, I want Justin Fields to work out so badly. I do not want to be in the market for another quarterback. I have been a huge fan of Justin Fields. I'm getting a little more worried, though. And there was a stat going around yesterday by, uh, I forget who it was, but the stats on paper didn't look as bad as maybe your eyes told you, where he was 10th in this regard, and he was 18th in this regard, and he was 16th in this regard, and a lot of it were tangible stats as far as yards and this and that. But a lot of the stats were stuff that maybe weren't as measurable or weren't as as deep down. Like, well, how many times were guys open – that Justin didn't throw the football to them. Do you know what I mean? Like, how many times was DJ Moore open and he should have thrown the football I think to JT him? O'Sullivan calls those turndowns. Yeah. And, and, and Turning think, down the opportunity to push the ball downfield to a guy that is clearly open. And, and so I wanted, and I wanted to read you this. Net, next-gen stats also tracks aggressiveness, which is shown as a percentage of passes thrown into tight windows. This is considered where the defender is one yard or fewer away from the target. Only 2.7% of field's pass attempts were into a tight window. That's just one of 37 pass attempts. That must have been the interception that Quay Walker returned for a touchdown. By this metric, Fields was the least aggressive quarterback in the National Football League last season. He threw into a tight window just 9.1% of passes in 2022. Like, so, it, it, like, there's a lot of times in that game when he just doesn't throw the ball. He's he's taking the check down, or 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 he's running. And like J.T. O'Sullivan was very good at pointing this out, where he could scramble, but he doesn't need to run. The eyes go down because he wants to run, but instead he could scramble, keep the eyes up, and then look for a throw. And and Tyler, if you could play. The sail route, I think Jenkins, who also breaks down quarterback film, hit this sail route as well, where when you see multiple guys who break down quarterback films and they both have the same sort of breakdown, um, you, you understand that, okay, ba- this is basic stuff, that everyone's seeing this alike. And, and I think this was earlier in the game and just a good illustration on a play that most quarterbacks make. And that Justin's just not making yet in his third year. He's not even trying to make the throw yet. And I think this was from just uh, from JTO Sullivan in breaking down the tape. 
this is a brutal turndown, man. No other way to say it than saying this is a quarters beater, then number one to the bottom, now the number two, literally two running the sale. This ball must be thrown. And I get it. Some people that maybe don't quite understand what's going on might say, hey, it's a check down. You got a, you got a completion. Ease up, bro. You don't know what the hell you're talking about. I'm telling you, if you're complaining about the ball not being driven down the field, this ball has to be thrown. It has to be thrown. There is no other way to put it. It will never be cleaner than this. This is wide ass open. So right here, this sale is open. This ball has to be thrown on time. I mean, it really doesn't even have to be thrown on time. It can be thrown late. You can drive this thing out there. It's got to be thrown outside the numbers. We got to throw it. One, two, three, four, five. Throw it. Throw it. It's open. Must throw. How, how is he getting down to the check down so quickly? Maybe he thinks the corner at the bottom is staring in at him and taking it away. You know, that could be the only thing I could possibly think, and it's not a good enough excuse. We got to throw. Fuck, man. You got to throw that. I would be losing my mind dialing up plays like that as a play caller and not having those balls thrown down the field. And again, you know, the other thing about this is just the the pace of play, the pace of the drops for someone who's so fast, it just looks so kind of nonchalant. Like there's there, there's a, a lack of like urgency in the drops. You you be the judge. Is this as fast as he can go? And I get it. The snap sucks. Yeah, the snaps were all over the place all day. But you got to go. Da, 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 da. He's chilling, not lined up. Check down. <laughs> He does it in a very interesting, colorful. Way. I was saying too, like you know who was was running the sale route. It was DJ Moore. Like so, if you're asking why isn't DJ Moore getting more getting more targets now, there's an example where he should have been targeted. Now I'll, I'll I'll also say there you need to create opportunities for him as an offensive play caller as well. There needs to be more of an emphasis on getting him the ball, but there were several opportunities. And if you watch the film as well, you'll see towards the end of the third quarter and into the fourth quarter, you can see in his body language, and I know you got to be careful reading body language, but DJ Moore was getting frustrated out there because there were opportunities to push the ball down the field, and those opportunities weren't being taken. Yeah, and, and, and those are the things. Like, you can measure the stats on the balls that he's thrown. What about the ones that he's not throwing, the plays he's not making? What about that sack that you talked about on second and goal from the four? That's not a stat, a passing stat that's being measured that goes around where it counts as a sack, but that's on Justin, where Justin's got to be smarter. We roasted Mitch. Yes. We said, Mitch, you're so dumb. You cannot go and roll out. And there were so many egregious things. I even think there's a play where, where uh, that JTO Sullivan breaks it down, um, where everything went wrong on that play. But the bottom line is, is Justin at the end has to launch the ball into the stands and not take the sack. So it's third and goal from the four instead of third and goal from the twelve, where it's an easier play on you- third down. But instead, he runs and he gets tackled by Lucas Van Nest out of bounds instead of just throwing the ball and because he's out of the pocket and it's an in- incomplete pass. You, you can't take negative plays in the red zone because they are much more penal. And that is a play that any quarterback at any level, you would expect him to throw the ball in the stands. Like It's just there's no explanation for it. And there were three plays that I thought were were highlighted that actually led me 
less than satisfied about the progress. And, and, and again, like everyone goes to different camps. It's the O-line. It's the coordinator. It's the quarterback. Let me tell you this. If you put the film on, you'll find fault with all of them, all the above. But what ends up happening is, is, is that, you know, your quarterback, while he may not be the biggest problem, he's the one responsible for finding the, the largest number of solutions. And those solutions, at least in week one, they weren't evident on film, and they need to become more evident. But the three plays were, were obviously uh, that sack, the when he breaks contain and he runs the ball and fumbles, and Justin did a really good job last year about the halfway points towards the end of the season with ball protection, with the way he carried the ball in the pocket. He kept the ball up high, so when guys were coming around and slapping at it, that he had ball security. When he would tuck and run, he had ball security. He had no ball security uh, on that fumble. And if you're going to tuck and run and be a viable ball carrier, you're, you can't fumble. If that's a running back, we're all pissed off that your running back can't, can't fumble the ball. And then the other play was, was, the, was the interception. And the reason I mention it is, is there was only one guy covered on that play. One. There was only one place you couldn't throw the ball. And that was Darnell Mooney because he was double covered by linebackers, kind of in his zone. And that's where but, he threw it. And that's where he threw it. You could have stuck the corner route. It would have been tough because Jair Alexander was was feathering back. But you know, I mean, you can if you if you chuck it in there, you could probably make that throw. Or at the very least, Roshan Johnson was by himself on the left sideline. Cole Komet was by himself on the flat on the right. There's only one place you couldn't go with that ball. And 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 by the way, from the back angle. He stares Mooney down the entire time, and the, and the protection doesn't break down. And you just watch the play, and you're trying to figure out what was he seeing that would lead him to make that decision, and, and there really was no clear explanation for it. Look, if, if you think that it's picking on fields, when he's running for over 1,000 yards, we're playing all of his highlights, and we're going crazy over him. He's the quarterback. When he makes the mistakes, and if you want him to be the guy, these are the plays he has to make if you want him to be him. For the him crowd. You can't, like, there, there's plenty of blame to go around, and, and I want to play you what he said about uh, all the other guys on that uh, second and goal play from the four. We'll do that coming up next. We're going to talk to Mike Lombardi as well. Um, it's all coming up. 312-332-3776. It's a hump day at Hallis. It's Waddle and Sylvie. Football, horse racing, burgers, beer, and so much more. Have a winning weekend at newly remodeled Club Hawthorne Betting Bars featuring cash betting at PointsBet Sportsbook. Find a location near you at HawthorneBettingBars.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER to get help. Waddle and Sylvie are back. Are back. Follow the show on Twitter at Waddle and Sylvie and at T Waddle 87. This is ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. Here's the snap, fake, rolling to his right. Fields being chased and dragged down, slung to the ground by the rookie, Lucas Van Ness out of Barrington. Yeah, yeah, I was just going to say to you, I was going to say the same thing to you. You can hear there. Oh, oh no, don't take that sack. You can't. There's no explanation for it. There's none. And again, so, and you'll hear this from J.T. O'Sullivan uh, on the the film breakdown. And there was an hour of it. We're going to have O'Sullivan on soon. Again, he's a former quarterback in the NFL. He teaches the game now. 
um, to young quarterbacks and on his YouTube channel. He's very knowledgeable, very entertaining. There's lots that went wrong before that. But still, Fields can help everything, and it's the job of the quarterback to make everyone better, where despite everything going wrong, you still don't have to take that eight-yard loss. Just launch the ball into the stands out of the pocket. That's football 101. Yeah, there's no explanation. I I can't can't say – by the way, the entire play was just a mess. I have no idea what anyone was doing, and I think you know JT said the same thing. I have no clue what the goal of the play was, but that's inconsequential. Once Justin takes the ball and rolls to the sideline, under no circumstances can you go from second and goal from the floor to third and goal from the 12. It's just it's, it's unacceptable. And here's what O'Sullivan said. On, here's the play. It's second and goal from the four. And this ends up resulting in the sack. But listen to him tear into the play design, the execution, and everything that goes wrong with the Bears. This next one is a capital, all lock, WTF. Terrible sack. What the f*** are we doing? No way this is a play. This is the red zone, NFL, week one. Months to prepare. I can't tell you what this play is. The offensive line looks like they're pass protecting. Everyone else looks like who knows what the hell they're doing. 85 down here to the bottom looks like he's blocking. We're pass blocking here. We're like run blocking here. It looks like we're running essentially fades down here. The only person who's actually running hard is the back. And then Justin Fields, for whatever reason, if this is a pass, throw it away, dog. For a long time, I thought maybe it was just zone read and there was he was afraid offensive linemen would be down the field run blocking. But it's not that. It's pretty offense if we can't tell what the the play is supposed to be. What is happening? What is 85 doing? Nothing's there. It's terrible. This is a disaster of a play. This is the that gets people fired right here. It's a second time in the breakdown that we played for you that JTO Sullivan said this is the type of stuff that gets guys fired. And that's game one yeah. of their second year. And, and this accentuates, uh, we go out here at training camp and we watch them. And there are all these days at the end of practice where they work on red zone. They go 11-on-11 red zone offense. And they work on their best red zone plays for game one. And then it's second and goal from the four. Uh, after a summer of working on red zone, and he he accentuated this, and that, and you don't know what the play is supposed to be. That's what's so discouraging. And and do you know what the next play was on third and goal from the eleven? It was the corner stop by by Cole Komet that basically yeah, there was right. zero separation. The magnet, then the magnet play. Yes, the, it, yes, the magnet play where he runs right into the corner. Yes, and and like I guess the route is supposed to be like sometimes you run a corner and as you're running the corner you stop quickly and you hope that the cornerback or the safety overflows and then you can stop and your quarterback throws it up and you make a catch. That was, and I think O'Sullivan talked about it as well, one of the few throws that actually was thrown with anticipation. And now, now look, there were other moments, I think, you know, we've, we've harped on the bad. Like, <clears throat> the play that they scored on to Darnell Mooney, like, he did a really good job setting the protection, 
making sure he had seven guys in, was able to communicate to his receivers what was what was going on, and then drop back while Rush was making contact with him and threw a nice ball in the end zone for a touchdown. That's a fantastic play. I need more of that. That's a good play. That's what your starting quarterback in the National Football League is supposed to do. I need more of that. And, and again, the reason I mention that play is because in some of the situations you're saying to yourself, well, the rush is getting to it. When the NFL very infrequently does a quarterback ever throw a pass and not get touched, unless you're playing against the Bears defense, and then that happens all the time. Right. But So you, you have to throw knowing that there is going to be contact made, and, and I thought he executed that play. That was a fantastic play that they made to score on, and I, I need more of that. Uh, Tyler, before uh, we have Lombardi, do I have time for one more here? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to play you uh, his thoughts on Nate Davis. J.T.O. Sullivan from his YouTube channel uh, breaks down the disaster that was Nate Davis. Now, I got to talk to uh, Thayer tomorrow because uh, Joniak tells us that Thayer thought he he played okay. Tom Thayer knows offensive line. Tom Thayer knows how to play guard uh, as well as anybody. But this was uh, J.T.O. Sullivan breaking down the Nate Davis play. This looks like it's supposed to be a screen to 85. I'm pretty sure the right guard just goes full sabotage. Justin Fields salvages it. I mean, he's essentially like a salvage artist at this point. Got no chance on some of these plays. What's the right guard doing? <laughs> what the f***, man? This actually happens a few times on these types of plays where guys are sabotaging the guy next to them. That's such a hard block for the right tackle. What are you doing, 64? All to go tailpipe the center? I mean, he hits the center off. <laughs> what the it's like every play, there's some other guy doing a disaster play. This got a chance to be a nice hit out here to hopefully some other guy. But I see the intention behind it. But watch the right guard. He literally runs into the center, knocks the center off, but then he doesn't hit the shade. So that essentially this defender right here has to be blocked by the right tackle. That is a crazy angle. It's unnecessary. The right guard doesn't block anybody. Like, I'm over here, like, half-shaking. I couldn't imagine being in an offensive meeting room and having this happen. It's damn near every play. But, I mean, just look at the right guard. All he has to do is put his right hand on the shade. Just give me something, dog. Give me a kickstand. Don't run into the back of the center. It's just so disheartening. This is week week one of the, the, the year one of the rebuild, and it just... That's your free agent that yeah, you signed, it's too. It's just and, all of it. Is yeah, it, it. And it was all bad. Uh, let's pick it up uh, with Mike Lombardi right now. You used to work with Lombardi yes, at the NFL LA. Network, yeah. didn't you? Yes, I did. Uh, Mike Lombardi's got a new book out. It's called Football Done Right, setting the record straight on coaches, players, and the history of the NFL, and it is available right now. He joins us right now on the Car X Tire and Auto Hotline. Mike, thank you for joining us on Waddle & Sylvie. How you feeling? I'm so good. Tommy, nice to talk to you again. Hope all is well. All good here. Hope you and the family are well. Also, Mike, we're we're a little bit, uh, I don't know, uh, we're a little down out here in Chicago after the performance Sunday on the lakefront against the Packers. Yeah. You know, I, I think expectations kind of got away from the Bears. I, I don't understand it. I didn't. I, I think, to me, this MVP talk for Justin Fields and the Bears are going to turn it around. I mean, they won three games last year. The margin of loss was 8.5. Uh, they threw the ball on average 22 times. They didn't have a passing game. 
you know, and this isn't going to come together in a matter of weeks. It's going to take some time and, you know, it's going to take a challenge to do it. And as I've said that on my show, the Lombardi line on Visa, that's on Marquee Network on weekends, you know, it's going to take a little bit of, of change. The defensively is just not going to turn around because Eberflus's defense and Allen Williams's defense is built on a dominant defensive front, speed and dominant defensive linemen. And I'm not sure they have that yet. Uh, and that's a question. It's a good place to start there too, Mike. So we know the Tampa two here. We know all the way they like to play and, and the takeaway it's sort of what Lovey liked to do. Um, Marinelli, uh, I know they're very close as well with Marinelli and uh, Iberflus. A lot of people in Chicago don't love it because of the fact of what you mentioned, that if the front four doesn't get pressure, they don't do much else. They don't have the horses to run that here. Um, and, and Iberflus had one of the lowest pressures in week one in the last couple of years. Will he veer away from that or send more people against other quarterbacks if the front four can't get him pressure? That's not who they are. I mean, that's what you hired. You you know, when you're Ryan Poles, this is what you hired. The thing that bothered me about it more than anything is that worked for Tampa. They played in warm weather. That worked for Indy. Tony played in a dome. You know, when you play outdoors on grass, in weather, you need physicality. You need big people. You know, I mean, I think that dominant bear defense back in 85, there was all big guys in that front, you know, and you need to have size. I know it's important to have speed, but you need a little bit of both. And, you know, you got to be able to play man-to-man to get off the field. Look, Iberflus, when he got the head coaching job, the defense, don't give up yards at Indy. It was all about turnovers. It's all about turnovers. And the way you create turnovers in the NFL – is to have a dominant front, like Philadelphia had, 60 of their 70 sacks comes from the front, play zone, eyes on the quarterback, and break on the ball. And to have the defensive lineman run and tackle the run, tackle the backs from behind, and the ball comes out because it's a, it's a game of power. And so if you don't have that and you don't can't turn the ball over, the defense is going to give up yards. It's proven. So the likelihood, Mike, that this gets a lot better based on the personnel that they have, especially at the line of scrimmage, it's not very likely that we're going to see an enormous improvement, correct? It's going to take – it's going to take you – know, got to get a – look, what made Tony great in Tampa? What got them going in Tampa? They drafted Sapp. One of the things that's hard to find in the NFL are three techniques. People think you could find a three technique. on You can't. They're really hard to find. And so they, they got sap, and all of a sudden they became a better team. You know, when they decided to pass on Jalen Carter because of whatever the things were, they lost their chance at a dominant three technique. Now, you know, maybe they're right in the character issues and all that, but you pass up a three technique in a defense that requires a three technique to be successful, you're going to take some time. Mike, look – Poles hasn't been perfect, but I, I, I like what he's built with some of the young players. And I was okay with passing on Carter just because of a lot of the issues. Did he love football, the off-the-field stuff? How did you feel about that at nine, that you trade down, and look, if he busts, it's a, it's a big, big miss. But the talent is there, like you said. So 
Like, I understood that he didn't want to risk it all in him, and you get a lineman that you really, really liked in Darnell Wright. Yeah, well, I think to me, what you have to draft is what you can't find. What you have to draft is is what you can't find, and you can't find three techniques. Now, you know, Ryan may have information. I mean, look, you're talking to a guy that was stung completely by passing on sap because of the same issues that we're talking about with Carter. The day of that draft in 1995, everybody said, don't draft sap. He knows it. You know, and the league office was telling everybody that it's that there's character issue. You got to be careful. There's so it never ended up being true. And you know, we t- we listened. And what I learned that lesson was sometimes what is the perception isn't the reality. So unless Ryan did all the homework, which maybe he did, I don't know. You know, but you pass up a three technique, it's hard. But I give him credit. He took an offensive lineman. You know, but for me, if you're going to rebuild the Bears. And you're going to do it in the Iberflus program. You got to build both lines. Every asset you have has to go to the line. Every asset. You can't trade a high two for a receiver because that's not going to be any good until the line gets fixed. I mean, your quarterback's been sacked 91 times in two years. What do you get sacked four times against Green Bay on Sunday? He got hit a bunch. That's for sure. Uh, Mike, let's go there. Um, I know that, that, that you have not been the biggest supporter of Justin Fields, or you, you've had questions about him. Um, can he find a way to be a productive player in this offense, in this town, or do you just believe that the skill set doesn't work? I mean, I think they've got to modify the offense around them. Look, at some point, as you know, Tommy, you've got to throw the ball to win in the league, yeah. and you've got to be accurate when you throw the ball. You can't be a runner. And people defend you a certain way. I think he's a six-back offense guy. You know, I think that's what he's got to be, like Jalen Hurts. And I think it's hard. I think it's really hard. You know, and, and I, you know, I don't dislike Justin. I just think this is ridiculous to talk about a guy as the MVP when he didn't even throw for thirty-five hundred yards. I mean, like, are we talking? What are we talking about? Like, how? What tape did you watch at the end of the year that you said this is? The, you won three games last year. Did he make some incredible plays as a runner? Oh, without a doubt. He's a great runner. He's fast. He's explosive. But when, when the fourth – look, how many games have you been in in your life that I've been in my life? The last 10 minutes is what determines the game. The last 10 minutes determines 90% of NFL games. And if you can't throw the ball effectively in the last 10 minutes, you're not going to beat anybody. You're not going to win. You've got to make third and five when you've got to keep the ball, and you've got to put the ball in the right spot. You've got to make third and 12 when you need to score and put the ball in the right spot. You've got to throw the ball to win in the NFL. Mike, when, that was a problem for the Bears. Mike, when people try to compare Justin with, let's say, Jalen Hurts, or that's the arc people here in Chicago want to see, tell us what the difference is between the two as you see them from quarterback traits. We all know that the Eagles have more to work with in their offensive huddle, but what's the difference between Jalen Hurts and Justin? Well, Jalen Hurts' his second year in the league, they went 9-9, nine and nine. okay? And he, they were evolving the offense around him, and they got some six-back offense. And he was more accurate with his throws. He wasn't perfect. But at, in his second year, he was, he, the, the open receiver rate was down to 14%, 14.6%. So that was good. And his mechanics were better. See, Justin's mechanics, when, when the pressure comes and the game gets speeded up, like a golfer. Sometimes you, you just 
you lose your mechanics and you lose your timing and the ball comes out. It's a little bit of a loping. So what I was trying to do was like Fields, he may get there, but he needs to have a pat. It may take a little longer and it's not there yet. And it's going to take some time. And it was better for Hertz. When Hertz came in, Hertz was one look and take off. And they found a way to make that better in the offense that they're running. You know, I don't think they were, they were not, their second years were completely different to me if you study the tape. But, you know, people just want to make the, they want to make the comparison because it, may, it sounds good. You know, it, it sounds good. Look, I think artificial turf needs to come off at every stadium. We all, but everybody will tell you Aaron Rodgers didn't hurt his Achilles because of artificial turf. You know, he had a calf injury, and then all of a sudden those manifest itself into Achilles, and it's unfortunate. But sometimes we make correlations that make sense or people want to believe, but that aren't true. Interesting. Like, like I, the MVP talk wasn't really prevalent here. I know what you're saying. Like, I always I, I joke around, Mike, and I use your name. Whenever it comes to fields, I say there's a medium between Lombardi and Orlovsky. And, and, like, I don't think fields is as bad as you make him out to be, and I don't think he's as good as Orlovsky makes him out to be. I think there's a – and, like, I, I'm glad to hear you think that he could be somewhere that he can achieve, but it's just going to take some time. Well, I'm hoping it can achieve. If I were the GM of the Bears, I would be really re- concerned. And I- I'll ask you, what tape do you want me to go watch to give me comfort? I'll watch it. I'll go put it on, and we'll watch it together. I'll watch it with you. Like, tell me where I'm going to be comfortable. Tell me what gives you hope. Well, tell I- me what you see that gives you hope. I-, I see a great runner. I see a great athlete. But tell me what you see that gives you hope. I'll be, you know, they, everybody says the last, the last few games of the year, his QBR went up. Okay, let's put this in perspective. They, their average margin of loss last year was 8.5. It was exactly the same with the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts attempted 37 passes per game. The Bears attempted 22. Why do you think that is? Well, I mean, look, this was a it was a crap team that had a terrible offensive line and it had no one to throw to either. And the run game is what kept them in a lot of games. Um, look, I, the, the, I'm more concerned this year than I was last year, but I still believe there are tools there that I believe can still work. I'm not giving up yet. I'm more concerned today than I, and, and in training camp. It threw me a little bit. Uh, than it was at the end of the year. But I believe he's got every tool to make it work. The mechanics and what you're talking about are something that I'm concerned about at this stage. But uh, I still am not giving up on Justin at this point. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm not either. I mean, they went with it. I, but I would say this to you. Let me ask you the question. If Caleb Williams was the first, came out this year, what would you have done? then it probably would have taken him. There's your answer. There's your answer. Then you're and, really on my side. The other guy's, the other guy's well, side doesn't think Joe Montana belongs in the top five quarterbacks. We can have that discussion, too. Well, if you I, well, want. No, yeah. no. I mean, I'm with you on that. I mean, then, <laughs> We're all on you the know, same I got page. A, you know, in my book, I got a great bear story about Joe Montana. Let's if you hear, want to hear it. Yeah, yes, of course. Absolutely. 
the morning of the draft in in 1979, Bill Tobin's wife gives him a kiss on his cheek and says, "Good luck, and promise me you will draft Joe Montana in the third round." And Bill Tobin says to his wife, "If he's there in the third, we will take Joe Montana." And he was, but unfortunately, for some reason, they took Willie McClendon, the running back from Georgia. Mm. Mm. That's grounds for divorce. So we we never found out why. Did Tobin ever explain why? I I, I couldn't find out the why. <laughs> Neither could Matt Nagy. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, well said. And and you, like, know, you know, it's funny. Chicago gives me a lot of you know. What, what you've given me a lot of crap. Everybody in Chicago, don't come to Chicago. Don't come to Chicago. They, they told me the same thing on Trubisky, too. How'd that work out? Yeah, no, we, well, that, we were more with you on well. Trubisky. I never, got a, I never got one apology card from anybody in Chicago <laughs> on that one. Never. You know they don't give to, out apology cards in Chicago. Every day. Every day I never got one. <sighs> yeah, it's, it's so it, – it, I got to tell you, Mike, it's – like you see some things that make you feel really good, and then you watch some stuff, and it makes you feel really bad. And and it's uh, I don't know. This is a uh, this is a difficult time for for Chicago Bear fans in terms of coming to a conclusion about what's next. Yeah, I, I, I you know I'll give you the answer to the test, but nobody wants to hear it. But that's <laughs> but you just keep believing what you want to believe. It's all good. I, I like that you're more open. But Mike Lombardi's book is uh, is available now. Football done right, setting the record straight on on the coaches, players, and history of the NFL, and it is available now. Mike, thanks for the time. We appreciate you. Oh, thanks, thank Mike. you, guys. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I'll wait for those. Thank you. I'll wait for those. You're right. Apologies. I'll be not I'll yet. Be not yet. No, you're not getting one yet. <laughs> no, I want them on Trubisky. I don't want them. Oh, no. I want oh, yeah. I, you we, owe we, me one. I'll take the interest on them, too. Thanks, we were, guys. We were with you on Trubisky. Thanks, Mike. See ya. There's well. Mike Lombardi. Like, I, 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 I'm not ready to give up yet. I'm not ready to give I'm not ready to concede anything on fields yet not three one two three three two three seven seven six if you want to react to Lombardi uh, Tyler do we need to break now do, can we keep it here for no, five? We keep it for a minute here yeah we keep it here so listen oh, wait, wait, I, I think I think there's not a not only has it not gone as well as we'd hoped I don't think the support staff has been really good for him as well um, you know the 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 protection has never been solid. They finally have got some guys in the room that can play out on the flank now. So this is really the year where you're going to find out what you have. I, as I said at the end of last season, I just think it's unfair to him to come to any long-term conclusion after going through the process of a complete teardown. And what you saw was you saw them not be able to protect him. You saw them not be able to put people around him so he was really a one-man gang last year you're going to get a better idea of who he is this year and i think that that process that evaluation process will take place at the end of this year is rashad available right now tyler rashad you're on espn 1000 my brothers from another mother i love y'all i love you too ain't talked to y'all in a while i know y'all doing y'all thing at hollis but i got a grievance man the premise on when ryan pose got this job, said we were going to build this organization in a modern philosophy, more more offense-oriented, guys. And I know I know everybody was feeling the same way, excited in terms of them passing on the defensive tackle, not giving the money to Roquan Smith and investing into the offense. But for them to put that type of game plan on the field against the Packers, man, when you got the most dynamic guy on the field, that's what the disappointing aspect is. You can't come up 
in an entire offseason, Sylvie, when you go to training camp and you can't find two plays, two plays, man, to excite your entire team. You're talking about juice? Screw juice. You get juice. That guy broke games open. That Miami game, Lombardi wanted a game, the game where the most, probably the most brilliant offensive mind in football, Mike Daniels, he called that guy an enigma. He breaks game plan. You can't come up with a philosophy. Greg Roman did it for Lamar Jackson. It's egregious the offensive people we put around people to try to evaluate their talent when they're never put in situations where you can actually see anything on tape. You know, when we saw Mitch, we saw flashes. The reason was because he had talent. Same thing with Justin. We never capitalize on what they do good in college in a scheme that fits this city for whatever reason. For whatever reason. Am I off base time? I think that they did. i got to be honest with you, Rashad. I think they did tailor the offense to him last year after a certain period of time, which I was okay with because your offensive coordinator is, is a first-year guy as well. He didn't know what he was working with. So it takes a while to become accustomed to what your team is. And when he had a feel for what he had, then you saw them make the, the, the changes and in, in the adjustments. Look, there are some things that Justin can do that nobody else in the game can do. But you also put on the film, and open is open, and I said it last year. I don't care if the last name on the back of your jersey is Pettis or it's Jefferson. You, you don't have Justin Jefferson. You have Dante Pettis. But when Pettis is open, you got to throw the ball. And now when, and it, now when DJ Moore is open, you have you to, have throw, to the throw the ball. You have to throw the ball. So, like, I, I mean, look, I, the, he's not – this is the way I've said it all along. He's not their biggest problem, but he hasn't provided enough solutions in the passing game for them right now. And that's just the reality. That's not picking on him. I would tell you right now that their offensive line is the biggest liability on the offense right now. Yes, and, and it, no chemistry. And yeah. there's no chemistry. But yeah. like, I just can't, can't continue to ignore some of the deficiencies here. And you're right. I mean, he's listen. When Mitch was doing this early, Mitch was coming off a 12 win season, and a lot of that had to do with a historically good defense and good field position. But Mitch did some decent things. But you put the film on, and you were still left unsettled with some of the stuff that you saw. So the third year we're watching Mitch, you're coming off a 12 win season and a playoff appearance, and we were still critical of him because the tape is telling you that there is criticism that is necessary. And I can't sit here with, in good faith, you know, from a sports perspective, and tell you that it's all going to be okay because you put the tape on, and yes, Nate Davis isn't doing what he's supposed to do, and, and this guy's not doing what he's supposed to do, but with a clean pocket, your quarterback has to step up and deliver a pass. And whether you don't like Luke Getze's overall concepts or not, that doesn't change the fact. And the play that highlights this the most is, in fact, the sack he took from Lucas. Van Ness. I have no freaking idea what they were trying to do on the play. That is a separate issue over here. But once Justin gets to the edge, you can't take that sack. You go from second and goal from the four to third and goal from the 11. You can't make negative plays in the red zone when you have control. Throw the ball in the stands. Like, so, like, I don't know what to say. I mean, I mean, like that's yeah. It's, it, it's football one hundred and one. Uh, all right. Oh, I, when we come back, we're going to talk to Courtney Cronin. There was something from Mike Lombardi though that had nothing to do with Justin Fields that made me the most mad today. I will, I will, I will bring that up with the three of us coming up next.